0: Welcome back everybody, and today we're moving on to chapter 10 of our novel Charlotte's Web. Uh, It's just one word for vocabulary today, and that word is tremendous. So if we said something is tremendous, we're saying it's fantastic, it's terrific, it's really great. So let's get started. Chapter 10, An Explosion. Day after day the spider waited, head down for an idea to come to her. Hour by hour, she sat motionless, deep in thought. Having promised Wilbur that she would save his life, she was determined to keep her promise. Charlotte was naturally patient. She knew from experience that if she waited long enough, a fly would come to her web, and she felt sure that if she thought long enough about Wilbur's problem, an idea would come to her mind. Finally, one morning towards the middle of July, the idea came. Why, how perfectly simple, she said to herself. The way to save Wilbur's life is to play a trick on Zuckerman. If I can fool a bug, thought charles I can surely fool a man. People are not as smart as bugs. Wilbur walked into his yard just at that moment. What are you thinking about, Charlotte? he asked. I was just thinking, said the spider, that people are very gullible. What does gullible mean? Easy to fool, said Charlotte. That's a mercy, replied Wilbur, and he lay down in the shade of his fence and went fast asleep. The spider, however, stayed wide awake, gazing affectionately at him and making plans for his future. Summer was half gone. She knew she didn't have much time. That morning, just as Wilbur fell asleep, Avery Arable wandered into Zuckerman's front yard, followed by Fern. Avery carried a live frog in his hand. Fern had a crown of daisies in her hair. The children ran for the kitchen. Just in time for a piece of blueberry pie, said Mrs. Zuckerman. Look at my frog, said Avery, placing the frog on the draining board and holding out his hand for pie. Take that thing out of here, said Mrs. Zuckerman. He's hot, said Fern. He's almost dead, that frog. He is not, said Avery. He lets me scratch him between the eyes. The frog jumped and landed in Mrs. Zuckerman's dishpan full of soapy water. "You're getting pie on you," said Fern. "Can I look for eggs in the henhouse, Auntie?" "Run outdoors, both of you, and don't bother the hens." "I'm get—it's getting all over everything!" shouted Fern. "His pie is all over his front." "Come on, frog!" cried Avery. He scooped up his frog. The frog kicked splashing soapy water onto the blueberry pie. Another crisis groaned Fern. Let's swing on the swing, said Avery. The children ran to the barn. Mr Zuckerman had the best swing in the county. It was a single long piece of heavy rope tied to the beam over the north doorway. At the bottom end of the rope was a fat knot to sit on. It was arranged so that you could swing out without being pushed. You climbed a ladder to the hayloft. Then, holding the rope, you stood at the edge and looked down and were scared and dizzy. Then you straddled the knot so that it acted as a seat. Then you got all your nerve up, took a deep breath and jumped. For a second, you seemed to be falling to the barn floor far below. But then suddenly the rope would begin to catch you and you would sail through the barn door going a mile a minute with the wind whistling in your eyes and ears and hair. Then you would zoom upwards into the sky and look up at the clouds and the rope would twist and you would twist and turn with the rope. Then you would drop down, down, down out of the sky and come sailing back into the barn, almost into the hayloft. Then sail out again, not quite as far this time. Then in again, not quite as high. Then out again, then in again, then out, then in. And then you jump off and fall down and let somebody else try it. Mothers for miles around worried about Zuckerman's swing. They feared some child would fall off, but no child ever did. Children almost always hang on to things tighter than their parents think they will. Avery put the frog in his pocket and climbed to the hayloft. The last time I swung on this swing, I almost crashed into into a barn swallow, he yelled. Take that frog out, ordered Fern. Avery straddled the rope and jumped. He sailed out through the door, frog and all, into the sky frog and all, and then sailed back into the barn. Your tongue is purple, screamed Fern. So yours, cried Avery, sailing out again with the frog. I've hay inside my dress, it itches, called Fern. Scratch it then, yelled Avery as he sailed back. It's my turn, said Fern, jump off. Fern's got the itch, sang Avery. When he jumped off, he threw the swing up to his sister she shut her eyes tight and jumped. She felt the dizzy drop, then the supporting lift of the swing. When she opened her eyes, she was looking up into the blue sky and was about to fall back through the door. They took turns for an hour. When the children grew tired of swinging, they went down towards the pasture and picked wild raspberries and ate them. Their tongues turned from purple to red. Fern bit into a raspberry that had a bad-tasting bug inside it and got discouraged. Avery found an empty candy box and put his frog in it. The frog seemed tired after his morning on the swing. The children walked slowly up towards the barn. They too were tired and hardly had enough energy to walk. Let's build a tree house, suggested Avery. I want to live in a tree with my frog. I'm going to visit Wilbur, Fern announced. They climbed the fence into the lane and walked lazily towards the pig pen. Wilbur heard them coming and got up. Avery noticed the spider web, and coming closer, he saw a Shark. Hey, look at that big spider, he said. It's tremendous. Leave it alone, commanded Fern. You've got a frog, that's enough. That's a fine spider, and I'm going to capture it, said Avery. He took the cover off the candy box, then he picked up a stick. I'm going to knock the old spider into this box, he said. Wilbur's heart almost stopped when he saw what was going on. This might be the end of Charlotte if the boy succeeded in catching her. You stop it right now, Avery, cried Fern. Avery put one leg over the fence of the pig pen. He was just about to raise his stick to hit Charlotte when he lost his balance. He swayed and toppled and landed on the edge of Wilbur's trough. The trough tipped up and then came down with a slap. The goose egg was right underneath. There was a dull explosion as the egg broke and then a horrible smell. Fern screamed. Avery jumped to his feet. The air was filled with the terrible gases and smelt from the rotten egg. Templeton, who had been resting in his home, scuttled away into the barn. Good night, screamed Avery. Good night! What a stink! Let's get out of here! Fern was crying. She held her nose and ran towards the house. Avery ran after her, holding his nose. Charlotte felt greatly relieved to see him go. It had been a narrow escape. Later on that morning, the animals came up from the pasture. The sheep, the lambs, the gander, the goose, and the seven gossies. There were many complaints about the awful smell, and Wilbur had to tell the story over and over again of how the arable boy had tried to capture Charlotte, and how the smell of the broken egg drove him away just It was that rotten goose egg that saved Charlotte's life, said Wilbur. The goose was proud of her share in the adventure. I'm delighted that I've never hatched, she gabbled. Templeton, of course, was miserable over the loss of his beloved egg, but he couldn't resist boasting. It pays to save things, he said in his surly voice. A rat never knows when something is going to come in handy. I never throw anything away. Well, said one of the lambs, this whole business is all well and good for Charlotte. But what about the rest of us? The smell is unbearable. Who wants to live in a barn that's perfumed with rotten wool? Don't worry, you'll get used to it, said Templeton. He sat up and pulled widely at his long whiskers then crept away to pay a visit to the duck. When Lurvy showed up at lunchtime carrying a pail of food for Wilbur, he stopped short a few paces from the pig pen. He sniffed the air and made a face. What big wonder, he said. Setting the pail down, he picked up the stick that Avery had dropped and pried to the truffle. Rats, he said. I might have known a rat would make a nest under this trap. How I hate a rat. And Lurvie dragged Wilbur's trough across the yard and kicked some dirt into the rat's nest, burying the broken egg and all Templeton's other possessions. Then he picked up the pail. Wilbur stood in the trough, drooling with hunger. Lurvie poured. The slops ran cleanly Down around the pig's eyes and ears. Wilbur grunted. He gulped and sucked and sucked and gulped, making swishing and swooshing noises, anxious to get everything at once. It was a delicious meal skim milk, wheat middlings, leftover pancakes, half a doughnut, the rind of a summer squash, two pieces of stale toast, a third of a ginger snap, a fish tail, an orange peel, several noodles from the noodle soup. The skin of a cup of cocoa, an ancient jelly roll, a strip of paper from the lining of the garbage pail, and a spoonful of raspberry jelly. Mm. Wilbur ate heartily. He planned to leave half a noodle and a few drops of milk for Templeton. Then, he remembered that the rat had been useful in saving Charlotte's life, and that Charlotte was trying to save his life. So he left a whole noodle instead of half. Now that the broken egg was buried, the air cleared and the barn smelled good again. The afternoon passed, and evening came. Shadows lengthened. The cool and kindly breath of evening entered through the doors and windows. Astride her web, Charlotte sat moodily eating a hot flood, and thinking about the future. After a while, she stirred herself. She descended to the center of the web, where she began to cut some of her lines. She worked slowly but steadily, while the other creatures frowned. None of the others, not even the goose, noticed that she was at work. Deep in her soft, in his soft bed, Wilbur snoozed. Over in their favorite corner, the Goslings whistled a night song. Charlotte tore quite a section out of the web. Leaving an open space in the middle. Then she started weaving something to take the place of the threads she had removed. When Templeton got back from the dump around midnight, the spider was still at work. And that's the end of chapter 10. So that brings us to the end of our chapters for this week. So, again, a reminder just to make your few bullet points. Who, what, where, and when? I really hope you're enjoying the novel so far, and again, we'll have another five chapters to enjoy next week. So until next time, it's long ago.